You're listening to CFUR 88.7 FM, coming at you from Prince George, British Columbia, in the unceded traditional territory of the Clayton-Tanate. And you're listening to Research the North, Episode 2. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at grad school and getting into the higher end of academia, that lofty ivory tower that seems so unreachable. Well, we're here to tell you you can get into it. We're going to talk about how we got into it. So joining us in the studio today, we have Kimberly Thomas, uh, Hoisian Lee, and Anne Duong, and myself, Patrick Smith. All right, so let's get started. All right, so we'll start with Kimberly. Uh, how did you find out that grad school was a thing for you to do? So it took some time after I graduated undergraduate school for me to realize how much I missed actually being in university and how much I missed learning. Okay. And that's what really made me realize that I wanted to pursue graduate school. Right on. All right. Uh, Xian, how about yourself? Oh, yeah. I, Same question. I volunteered in a few labs during my undergraduate studies and also worked on honor thesis. And I found that I enjoy working in the lab and therefore I decided to like continue for my graduate school. But I, I also have some friends that after they have volunteered, they found that they they don't have an interest in working in the lab. Therefore, they, they decided to like not working on the on their honor thesis. All right, I think the big thing for me is just realizing like I, I going into my undergraduate studies, I'd never thought I'd get this far, and you know I did pretty good for myself, not to like blow my own horn so much, but I, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how far I can take it, and that's you know. Uh, pursuing an MA was the next logical step. And honestly, you know, it's different. It's different for sure, but it's challenging in different ways than I was expecting, and I'm starting to adjust to those, but degrees. Yeah, I think a big difference would be the level of independence. I think I'd start there. That's, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of independence <clears throat> in undergraduate school, yeah. but graduate school, you're really accountable for yourself, and your research really comes from yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about what else do you guys think? Yeah, like with, uh, an undergraduate degree, it's you know you're, it's pretty independent, but at the same time, everything you need to do for to get your degree is laid out. Like you're, you have a program, and you need these courses to mm-hmm. do it. And well, I can't speak for any other MA programs outside of my own, but it's very much like you have to build everything. Like, yeah, if you so wanted, innovation. Yeah, totally. And mm-hmm. it's. Like the shoulder of burden is like ninety percent yours to figure out, you know, how to make <laughs> things work. Mm-hmm. Your supervisors mm-hmm. they're literally just to supervise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to add there? Oh, okay. Like for undergraduate studies, like we have a fixed syllabus to follow. Like this semester, we'll be going through which which topic. But for graduate studies, it actually depend on your study design. You can do whatever like you feel good for your research. And therefore, like, you don't have a fixed deadline. Like, for undergraduate study, you need to submit your assignment by the end of this week. But for graduate study, it's like, more independent. So that, that's why you have to plan your time. And you might take, like, up to two years or three years to complete your whole master study. It, it depends on how, how, like, you work for your, that your, your master's thesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cho- choosing a school. Yeah, so um, Kimberly, how did you uh, choose which school you wanted to attend for your uh, master's program? So um, I came from a really large university for my undergraduate degree. So going into graduate school, I knew I needed to be somewhere where it would be a smaller environment because I know I thrive in smaller settings where I'm able to network more and like find more support. So when I was looking at UNBC, 
first it was probably the outdoor beauty that I loved because I needed that in my studies. I need to be connected to nature while I'm also in school. Mm. Um, we're a super research-intensive university, so that was really important to me. We have really so many renowned faculty um, doing cutting-edge research. Um, also, that there's with that was so many opportunities for collaboration, and I think with the research I wanted to do that sort of merging science, social sciences, and humanities, um, I needed to be somewhere where I would have access to all different disciplines and relationships. I so see. that's why I choose, chose UNBC. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xian, same question. Okay. Uh, after I have completed my master degree in Malaysia, I, I was actually looking for opportunities to study abroad. And then I started to search online, like which university they are accepting students. But I found that it's very hard to target an university because, like, I have to read through a lot. Like this university, whether they uh, they have they offer the biochemistry program or whether they have a scholarship. And at the end, I was very lucky that I met a professor. Uh, my my current supervisor, he he was visiting Malaysia at that time, and then he told me that he wants to accept students from Malaysia to study abroad. And he also told me that like, I could get free tuition fees in UNBC for my PhD study, and I could also apply for teaching assistantship. And therefore, I decided to like join my PhD study here in UNBC. Oh, right yeah. on. Well, I suppose for myself, it was simply a matter of geography too. Like, mm-hmm. I have a you know a, a family in town, and I can't really uproot them to go looking anywhere else. But at the same time, I didn't really want to because I'd got my undergraduate here. And, you know, I enjoyed it and, you know, made a lot of friends and, you know, made a lot of good connections. And I felt like it would be kind of dumb to leave those connections behind, even if I could go to a different school. So, you know, I was able to, you know, pursue what I wanted to do here because it was pretty much just a continuation of what I was doing in my undergraduate thesis. So, And that's another great point is that, especially for people doing research that's community-based or community-informed, mm-hmm. particularly when it comes to rural and remote geographies, it's so important to be living in the environment you're researching for. Mm-hmm. So that's another great point to Oh, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's talk about what would you all consider some benefits of attending grad school and doing graduate studies? Like, why should anybody do it? <laughs> you could start. Sure, you start. <laughs> uh, I feel that it can actually help us to be more competitive by gaining a special knowledge to, to advance in my field. For instance, like my research project is about extracting biomolecules from the mushroom and therefore in the future I could actually work on uh, work in, in the pharmaceutical company that 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 is working on natural products. And besides that because I'm I'm an international student and graduate school itself is very challenging but I'm not doing it in my home country and I'm doing it in Canada. And therefore if you yeah, doing your graduate study overseas you are actually constantly testing your limits. So for instance my native language is English uh, in Chinese, but in Canada it's an English-speaking country, and therefore I have I faced a lot of difficulties when I came here. And in Canada, they have different teaching style and also way of doing things. And I tr- I had to spend like a few months to adapt myself to a different environment. And therefore, like being an international student in UIBC and also for doing my grad- graduate school, it helps me to like improve myself a lot. Yeah. I just have to say Amazing. you're doing a damn fine job of that. Too. Yes. Like, you're nailing it. Yeah, she's brilliant, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> what right. about you, Patrick? Um, benefits for grad school. Uh, thinking about, as an archaeologist, uh, the sorts of work you can get into after graduating, uh, most of it is going to be consulting archaeology, which is uh, work, works hand-in-hand with industry to 
ensure that no archaeological sites are destroyed or you know tampered with before companies go in and do their thing. Uh, the, for graduate students, the, the sort of thing you could look for is maybe being a little higher up the ladder than an entry-level position. Like uh, if you're a field director, for example, you're going to be dealing with a lot more paperwork and you need to understand how the paperwork needs to be processed and sent in. And also just, you know, the interpretation of the landscape comes from the supervisors and directors and this extra experience helps with that. Also, you know, graduate studies helps you get into, say, you want to teach. Like eventually I'd love to teach archaeology. But uh, I'm not there yet. But it's this is a necessary step to be able to put that knowledge out there. So, for me, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it looks like for my end of things. Yeah, I think you guys touched on it beautifully. It's really pursuing graduate studies opens opportunities mm-hmm. to advance your career, whether you choose to stay inside academia or go yeah. outside of it. Yeah. And it's really an opportunity to just hone in on increasing your knowledge really on a specific area you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point, too, is if it's something you're passionate about and you want to follow it further and you've done an undergraduate degree and you don't know what to do with the next or you're not happy with, you know, just doing what an undergraduate degree has to offer for you, then, of course, you know, the next step was make some more sense to do. Yeah, I think that leads into our question about how do you choose your research topic? <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Uh. <laughs> We should let people know you don't have to know your research topic when you start graduate school. Mine really developed or got refined once yeah. I was in it for a while. Yeah, basically, I when figuring out what I wanted to do for research, I needed to see where the gaps in the research were for what I was wanting to study. And that's kind of what led me into what I'm doing now. Is So building from the data we've collected from Smokehouse Island, which I talked about a little bit in the last episode, uh, we're using that data and analyzing it and see how common the idea of constructed islands are globally and locally. And we're going to examine evidence for other constructed islands in the region. And that's kind of what my thesis is pointed at right now is the, well, how, how common are these islands? And well, what, what would you look for if you were looking for one? And that's kind of where we're going now. So the idea is we'll get built. You'll get an idea of something and that's another thing your supervisors to help you out with, mm-hmm. is to help you focus in on something. Mm-hmm. And I like that you mentioned how um, your research topic can come both from personal and educational experiences. Exactly. Um, my my research topic came from my experience of volunteering. I volunteered in a rural hospice home in Alberta, and it was through the things I saw there, and especially the inequities I saw there, that really inspired the research I'm pursuing now. What about you, Cian? Uh, I actually enjoy working in the lab, and... I volunteered and worked in the lab for many years before I came to UMBC. And I don't really mind like, which topics that I could actually work on as long as it could like, help to contribute a little in the future. And therefore, I met my professor first because I feel that like <coughs> supervisor is the most important part in my PhD research because like, PhD research takes like, at least four to five years. So I found I found that if I, I have a very good supervisor, it can help me a lot in my PhD study. So therefore, I decided to choose my supervisor first. He's the, the major reason that I want to come here because I know that he helps his student a lot in his research study. And I, I that, then only I started to like look over what research project he's working on. Then I found that he's working on like mushroom studies and I, I'm kind of interested to work for that project. Therefore, I have chosen the topic. Yeah. That leads to the other hot question. How do you find a supervisor? 
Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it was simply a matter of, well, the work I was doing, I was working with, you know, Farad, and he's kind of, he's had graduate students go through with the same data from Smokehouse before. Well, not the same data, but anyway. Yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, the stuff from my undergraduate kind of just led straight into it, and it just made sense, and, you know, we, me and Farad had talked about, you know, doing it, you know, potentially doing master's work once I was done, and I just kind of followed through with it, and now we're, you know, almost through the first semester of the first year of it now, so. But, yeah, the people you get to know in your undergraduate degree, if you want to pursue that, they'll have connections for you, uh, even if you go outside of your university where you got your undergraduate, and they'll be like, okay, so you want to do, say you wanted to study, I don't know, paleontology or something, but they don't really have that here. So if you wanted to do that, um, you'd probably go through the geography program. Say you got your BA in geography and you want to continue on. Professors here would probably connect you to someone, say, like University of Calgary or Lethbridge, somewhere where there's a program like that, and they'd help you track down a name and an email, and then you'd get in touch that way. Mm -hmm. Just knowing where the programs are and knowing who's the ones running them. And sometimes that means you got to get in there and start digging yourself to figure it out. But it, it's perfectly doable. It's just, you know, scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, coming from out of province to UNBC, it was um, quite a process. I think I emailed maybe 10 different professors. And uh, I recommend you apply early because I applied really close to the late application deadline. So oh, I was yeah. feverishly emailing professors. But... Um, the ones I chose to email were people who I had researched through the NBC faculty website and read about their research, and there was only a couple that really I felt aligned, and um, I was, like, immersed in their articles. And so I, I think choosing a supervisor or how to find one, really, it starts with finding out what research they're doing, um, seeing do your passions align with that type of research, and then um, that's my, how you might start choosing which supervisor might be right for you. Uh, I prefer to have a supervisor that can keep m keep my work update, like constantly, like update, like what in which stage I'm in for my PhD study, so that he know what I'm doing, and in case of anything, I could actually like ask for his opinion, so that he could help me a lot. I also prefer to work in with a supervisor that has a a few like master student or PhD student, because like for me for for me who who. Like who, who is working in the lab, it would be great if I have some senior or lab mates that they could actually provide me a lot of like guidance or they can also tell me what to do or not what not to in the lab so that it could actually help me to save a lot of time and also like has lesser possibility of doing the wrong things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a good point is uh, emailing pat previous students to find out what was your experience with the supervisor. Yeah. What can you... Because there's different types of supervisors. Yeah. There's ones that might monitor you yeah. every step along yeah. the way or some that kind of just yeah. let you be free. So yeah. you have to find what works for you. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, it's going to differ based on what programs you're into. So there's really mm -hmm. only so much we can tell you based on our own experiences. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, you know, the fundamentals we're giving you are applicable across the board, but you're going to find that there's going to be differences in specific programs once you get into them and you'll figure that out on your own it's not as scary as we're making it sound yeah um yeah. i wonder anything else uh what yeah. about is there any sort of tips or advice you would give to anybody that is thinking about going into grad studies 
but hasn't made the jump to do it yet. Well, what would if you could talk to yourself before you went into grad studies? What bit of advice would you pass on? You know, from your experience mm-hmm. now to past you. Okay, my number one tip would be don't be afraid of rejection in graduate school because I think rejection is really a non-normalized thing, but it should be, especially in grad school. People are going to tell you, or your supervisors are going to tell you to change things and correct things. You're not going to get accepted to every conference. You're not going to win every award. So I think preparing for that kind of path where you need to face um, critical examination and criticism and, and rejection and build and build resilience through that. I think that's really important for oh, grad yeah. school. I mean, the whole big thing about doing an MA is it ends with a defense. Like, that's the I big I hate how thing, they call right? it that. <laughs> it's so un- I think the word defense is really frightening to people. But really, I mean, I guess you are defending your research, but you can also think about it as showing what you know, and you're the only person with that amount of specialized knowledge on that specific topic. They should so call you're the it expert. research vindication. That is much better. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, 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 no. Same question, Shan. If you could get in yeah. touch with yourself in the past <clears throat> with your knowledge you have mm-hmm. now, what mm-hmm. advice would you give yourself? Uh, as I mentioned, I'm actually international student, and I completed all my study from kindergarten until my Master study in Malaysia and never left home, mm-hmm. and I think it's a very good opportunity to study overseas. If you have you are the same like me, you never you have never left Canada, so I think that you could actually do a graduate study overseas in other country if you yeah. And then I last night I stayed with my family when I was in Malaysia, and I don't know why it's the feeling of homesick. And after I came to Canada, only I realized the importance of like having a family with you all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I encourage students to do their master study first, like overseas for two to three years. After that, you can decide whether you want to do a PhD uh, in overseas. Like because I came here for my PhD study, and PhD study take like four to five years. I feel that I should have done my master study in Canada rather than in, for my PhD. Oh, I see. Yeah, so that I at least I, I experience what I want for yeah. What about you, Patrick? Ah, uh, well. Any advice I'd have for myself is to make sure you read the the program description properly before you sign on. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple instances where I'm like, oh, cool, I'll just do this, and I'll go back and double-check, and I'm like, oh, wait, no, I can't do that. There are a lot of formalities yeah. in grad school. <laughs> yeah. Like, my my program is in the interdisciplinary studies program, and it's got a, a really specific balance of courses that they're after. So like I can't have too many anthropology courses or two or I can't have like two anthropology courses and then one say geography course on top of another thing. It's got to be a fair an even spread of courses. So mm-hmm. it's just a matter of you know understanding the balance that they're looking for and making sure that fits for you as well. And also just understanding how independent it can be. Like a lot of this mm-hmm. is up to you to get done. Like be many, aware of deadlines. Mm, Oh, Very yeah. aware. They're closer <laughs> than they appear. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's a great tip. So oh, in this yeah. next section, we're gonna discuss a couple mm, things that we thought might happen, but didn't actually happen. Some misconceptions for you know conducting or getting into a master's program and doing research. So yeah, we'll talk a bit about that. And there's a lot of misconceptions we can go through. So yeah. I was unaware of the amount of actual coursework that is involved with a master's program. Like, it's only like 
five courses, but they're pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Like for mine, at least it's five courses. Like the one, the two I have right now are pretty much straight literature review, but it's a lot of literature because really, what you, for me, what's happening is we're making sure to cover all our bases, right? Because once we bring this to a defense, we got to make sure it's airtight. So I literally got to pull up everything I can on artificial islands from around the world, and there's a lot more than I thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, coursework. There's a lot of it. Be ready for it. <laughs> I think another big misconception is that you have to pursue research in the topic you did for your undergraduate degree or in the same field. Mm. Um, that's not true. I did biological sciences for my undergraduate degree, and now I'm doing like social science, creative arts-based research. So I think people should know that um, really it's up to you about what you end up pursuing, what type of research you do. Um, I would say and going with that about doing research outside of your undergraduate degree, you don't have to have research experience to start in graduate school. So I had very limited research experience um, in my undergraduate degree. I didn't do an honors program, and I'm still able to pursue graduate studies. So that'd be another point. What about you? It's not so much a misconception, just more of an observation. Uh, When I was doing my undergraduate, you know, I, I... kind of got after it. I came fresh from a job where I developed a healthy work ethic and that transferred over to my schooling and that helped me, you know, do well academically. But, you know, at the same time, I was aware of the anecdote of C's get degrees. Um, That's fine and good, but if you wanted to get into a master's program, it's probably not going to be good enough. Another thing, too, is it's okay to take breaks. Uh, even if you're in a program already, uh, your supervisor's there to help. You could say, hey, um, I need to take the summer to, you know, make sure my head's on straight or whatever. And you can get like a, you know, a deferral from your professor, take a little bit of time. Like, for example, with me, um, I have a family at home and, you know, on top of all the schoolwork, it's, you know, it'd be difficult to balance. So you gotta learn to be able to say no to doing homework sometimes, even though, you know, something that needs to get done. But you you make time to do it, you know, and make sure you got your priorities straight, which is easier said than done sometimes, but, you know, I believe in you. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Tied to the whole funding thing, one thing I learned from applying for master schools, or master studies, rather, is um, your enrollment is year-round, not just uh, fall to spring. Yeah, that's a really good specific point, because I didn't know that either. Yeah, it's like, oh, you have to enroll over the summer semester, too. I was like, and do what? (laughs) It's like, well, I'm sure they don't care. It's just, you know, you need to hold the spot, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's just something you're going to have to, you know, plan for. Like, that kind of snuck up on me and my wife, you know, full disclosure. But we've already dealt with it. It's being handled. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people who have full-time jobs and do their graduate studies at the same time. So, I mean, I think it's you definitely can balance and have harmony between work, life, and academics. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it can be tricky. It's, you know. It is. It takes practice. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because you have a new baby at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the amount of times we do laundry every week is <laughs> exponentially increased. <laughs> What do you do when you're stressed out and you, you, you got a bunch of deadlines coming up and you got a bunch of work to do and you got all this extracurricular stuff and you, you need to give yourself a break? What's your go-to thing 
to help you relax and just, you know, reset your brain so you can get back to it on Monday? So my number one thing is exercise. So I actually prioritize exercise, so I put it in my calendar before I put anything else in my schedule. Um, so I do like a variety of things, like I'll either go running or go to yoga or go to CrossFit class, but I have to have that at least once a day, just be not even for physical. I mean, there's so many physical benefits, but mostly for my mental state. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I could keep going if I didn't have that daily kind of, even if it's going for a walk, I need to do something physical related. Yeah, I, I hear that. Like, I know it's, sometimes I'll just try and do as much work, work as I can from home, but well, my productivity kind of slowly curves down throughout the week the longer mm-hmm. I stay at home. It so, makes you more efficient when you ba- put in balance for things that, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, even if it's a, just a change in scenery, yes. like, that'll, you know, get the work done. Like, if I decide to, you know, bring my flash drive up to the university and work on the computers up here, I get 100 times more work done, it feels like. Yeah. But, um... For just dealing with stress, uh, for me, what works is just scheduling non-work time, like mm-hmm. time where you are not have a day where you don't look at homework, you don't look at emails, you know, and just don't do anything work-related that day, and just because it won't, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can jump back to it later, but you need yeah. to give yourself that break, or yeah. or your body will give it to you for you. <laughs> I think, like, scheduling and free time in your calendar is really important because you're going to use it for something. You don't really ever have free time in Mm. graduate school, but giving yourself a couple hours on a Thursday afternoon will make a big difference. Oh, yeah. I enjoy grocery shopping during my free time (laughs) (laughs) because I have to stay in the lab for most of my time or in my student office to work on my data analysis. And I have a bunch of friends that will go with me, like, once a week. Then we will visit like Costco Superstore and we will buy a lot of stuff there. And I enjoy buying stuff for my friends, my boyfriends, or even my family because they are not with me. So that I feel very happy when I can buy something that I could bring home when I'm visiting them in like next year during the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I enjoy doing most of the time. Nice. That reminds yeah. me of. Sorry, do you want to go? You ever get one, yourself one of those big Costco hot dogs? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me that social support is so important in grad school. So, like, sometimes when I do activities, I try to always invite a friend or do things, go running with a friend or something, just because it can be so isolating. Mm. So, forcing yourself into social situations and building relationships is really mm-hmm. critical. I agree. Might not always be fun, but, you know, sometimes you just need that extra contact. Like, for me, I'm very, you know, introverted person, and I like my alone time. Mm-hmm. But even even I have my limit on that, too. You know, you start to go squirrely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's good to get out and, you know, just hang out with people once in a while. Kind of mm-hmm. like what we're doing right now. Like, this is, you know, yeah. this is sort of work-related, but at the same time, it's kind of nice, you know. Like, <laughs> I know. And another like misconception is that hanging out with friends school will cost like. you buckets <laughs> of money. So it's important to know that you do not necessarily need to pay more for graduate school. Mm. And we'll be talking about that in our next podcast episode. Coming soon.